Welcome to my podcast. I'm Libby Rothschild of Nutrition Business. I'm a registered dietitian, business coach, and course creator. My goal is to help you make moves in your business, take action, create revenue streams, and grow on social media so you can set up systems for monetization. Today's topic is all about priorities. So I had a mastermind student of mine ask me to talk about how I balance it all, meaning priorities, staying sane, etc. beyond the priority matrix. I like that last part because, you know, I often do like talking about the priority matrix and that is a download on my website. If my website's not available now at the time of airing this, it should be pretty soon. I had a redesign, which is uh, exciting. So I will actually put that as a link in my bio so you can check that out now when this podcast airs. So a little bit about what this all means. You know, balance, as you know, is a, it's a term that's uh, extremely difficult for most people. You know, you have to sit and define what that means for you. So it's completely relative to the person and the situation, just like balance with your dietary patterns and then balance with your work-life situation, etc. So how do I find and achieve balance is going to be very different than somebody else. So that's why it's important to reflect and, and evaluate, reflect, and, and find that own your own sense of balance in your life and in the direction that you're trying to go in with your business, uh, professional development, etc. But what I will say is that I came up with seven points, uh, topics to discuss tonight, kind of describing more about how I stay sane and keep my life organized beyond the priority matrix. So I am going to talk about my digital calendar, appointments, boundaries, workflow, social relationships, and networking. So I'm going to start by briefly talking about a digital calendar. So I remember (laughs) when the digital calendar became an integral component into my life, into my business, and that must have been, it was about seven years ago. And I remember this distinctly because my first career is in personal training and I managed my own business, meaning I did independent personal training. So I would see clients at gyms that allowed me to take them there. I'd pay a copay or I'd go to the person's home, etc. And maybe outside, but as an independent trainer, I managed my own clientele. And when I started, I had ebbs and flows of extreme busyness with that because I also did personal training throughout my career to become a dietitian. So uh, at certain points, although you would argue throughout the entire time of being a personal trainer, when you work in a service-based business and you especially work on an hourly basis, right? Because personal training sessions are one hour. It's important to be mindful of how are you keeping that system and that process in check, So seven years ago today, I remember just having extreme overwhelm with the amount of clients that all wanted the same timeframes. So if you have ever worked in personal training or again, even as a registered dietitian nutritionist, you know, in a service-based business, primetime slots are super popular. That could be 6 a.m., 6 p.m. It could be even a weekend at 10 a.m., right? Those are all really popular slots. So what happens if you have a roster of clients and they all want those same time slots, it becomes a little bit chaotic. So at this point in my business seven years ago as an independent personal trainer, I had to really 
double down on my digital calendar because I was noticing that I always had used the digital calendar. And I mean, since high school, like I've been a fan of, of Google calendar, like, I mean, geeking out about it, color coding, etc. But at this particular time of overwhelm, when I had so many people, so many clients want me for the same hour, what I started doing is implementing policies and procedures and requiring that with our packages, with my clients' packages that they scheduled ahead. And when that happened, I was able to create reoccurring events and I was able to understand at what point in their package were they, what session was it. And it's, I'm going to be talking more about this in the workflow section of today's uh, episode, but I will say very, on a very basic level, scheduling ahead and color coding on the calendar. And because I had to, uh, is, was a game changer. And it helped me bring more impact and profit, impact to my clients and their success and profit in my business when I'm able to have clients schedule ahead. And so I think a lot of times if you're, if you do a service-based business, uh, depending on how you run your business, it's interesting to reflect on your workflow and ask yourself, how far ahead do you make clients book? Because a lot of the clients that I help now, you know, I coach dietitians, I also coach wellness entrepreneurs, but specifically registered dietitian nutritionists. And a lot of them do not have a standardized workflow. And so it's important to think how far ahead do you make your clients schedule? Because it's your business, you call the shots, you're the boss. So what I learned those years ago is when I had to, because I was super busy, is that when you schedule ahead and you require policies and procedures with your clients, it's only going to help them with continuity, and it's also going to help you with profit. And that expectation is really important to grow and then eventually scale your business, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And unfortunately, you know, I'm being honest with you as I usually am. Unfortunately, I had to wait until I was so busy that I had to implement that. But I really do wish that I had a policy from the beginning. I wish from the beginning, I said to my clients when they bought a package with me, if they say, let's, you know, a 12 pack or whatever. Okay, you're required to book your sessions out ahead. And I didn't do that until I had to. So if you want to establish those checks and balances, the earlier, the better. So my life with my digital color-coded Google Calendar has forever improved. And I do have many different calendars. I also share a calendar with uh, Rachel Paul from College Nutritionist. So when we do, you know... Uh, we work on our course or we work on our mastermind together. We're also going to come out with a joint strategy call to offer because we get so many requests from either people who've taken our course, beat the algorithm or just people in general. Uh, we want to offer that because it is, you know, a one hour call that we can do together. So whenever she and I talk about content, whether it's a blog post that we're doing, a podcast that we're doing strategy with our course or, you know, future marketing plans, uh, we actually share calendars so we can see when we're both available to schedule that time because it's not always the same time. So that is nice. You can share calendars with people in a business setting. Of course, you could share calendars with your partner or significant other if you have one, which is great. I set blocks of time because I practice time um, time blocking. So what I'll do is I'll do similar tasks at time batching in the same time frame. 
So whether it's, you know, um, maybe I'm going to be recording a bunch of podcasts all in one session, or I'll be creating or curating content all at the same time, or maybe I'll take two different or three different tasks and do them all within the same time block. I would put that as a certain color and color coded in my Google calendar. And I plan that. So I like to anticipate my events. So this actually brings me to a whole nother conversation because there's event types and then there's tasks. Ideally, you would use a project management tool like Asana or Trello to manage your tasks and you would use a calendar to manage your events. If you are like me, you might use your Google calendar for both. Now I know you might shame me and you might judge me because I use my calendar for everything. The goal is to move to a project management tool. I am well aware that my calendar is overflowing and it needs a little bit of adjustment. And and I'm just going to be honest with you, like I usually am, but that is how I have been doing it. And there's definite room for improvement. I also keep uh, pretty organized notes uh, in my notepad and my, um, in my phone. I do have some other tools that I use, but my events and my tasks do both go on my color coded calendar. So the digital calendar lifesaver keeps me organized. I use it to plan ahead. I use it to batch task. I use it to make sure that I know how I'm spending my time because then I can look back and see which color code I, you know, in a pie chart form, where did I spend the most time? Where do I anticipate to spend the next most time in the following week? So the next topic that I want to discuss today is appointments. So I have this uh, quote. I cannot remember who I got it from. If you didn't schedule it or if I don't schedule it, it won't happen. And I enforce that probably 95% of the time. I've gotten a lot better with that in the last recent years. So it had, that has not always been the case. <laughs> uh, so what that means is if I didn't, and this goes back to the first the first topic, right? The, which is the digital calendar. So if I've got a strict event calendar and I time block it and I say, all right, I'm going to set this time for work. I'm going to set this time for social. I'm going to set this time for gym. I'm going to set this time for home activities. Maybe it's cooking, cleaning, etc. whatever it might be, spending time with my fiance, those types of activities that I plan, if something comes up outside of those activities, 90% of the time I will not take it. So that mindset allows me to focus and get more important things done. Now, if you too can double down on your focus, schedule events and actually follow through with them and keep within that time block, that's going to help you maximize your productivity exponentially. That's been a game changer for me. Now, am I always that rigid? No. I mean, it's, you know, life happens and I do manage multiple tasks. So that's not, sometimes that, that concept can be more of an ideal than an actual but I I do try to fall back on scheduling most of my night. And and it's the more you can stick with it, uh, the better. And and even if you want to start small and you want to say, hey, I'm going to time block or manage, you know, 40% of my day or maybe just my morning, right? So if you kind of chunk it into certain times of the day or even one day of the week, that can help be a great way to set a realistic or a smart goal. So what I mean by that, uh, just a little bit more context, if I get a phone call from a friend or um, from anybody actually on, on my phone, I don't answer it because I have that designated time to accomplish said task. So again, if I'm, you know, I'm a speaker, so if I'm creating uh, content or like if I'm working on my curriculum for I'm doing a dental lecture series right now, uh, and I, I always every year I spend more time going over it, readjusting it, and then, you know, 
reviewing it before I present. So I've got if I've got a time block to review dental, I am not going to be taking a phone call that comes in. I'm not going to be responding back to a client email. Now I do designate times to make sure I'm efficient with my clients, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I always stop what I'm doing to answer them. So if you run your business in that fashion, which you can with discipline, focus and specificity, you'll be able to get more important things done the same way. So I do also like to listen to books and podcasts and be around people who have the same philosophy and mindset, which does help me keep on track with squashing anything that comes up that is not in my event calendar. And that definitely includes phone calls and social events. Uh, To be completely real with you, uh, when I was younger, I had a harder time with that. And that's okay. It's okay to own where you are in your journey, in your business journey. And if you're not at a point where you're willing to be really focused and set those boundaries and get your event types done, meaning that you schedule a task and you complete it and you set that time for said task. If you're not in a place to do that um, 100% or to do that 80% of the time, most times because life comes up, you know, just acknowledge it and realize that. But I, you know, I create this podcast and I, my services are for people who do, who do want to take ownership of their time and they want to take action and they want to improve their personal brand and their business and increase impact and income. So again, if you're not there yet, I understand. And if you are there yet, you are my ideal client. So the third topic is boundaries. So this guy, again, all these topics kind of weave in together, right? So boundaries and appointments go hand in hand. And in the past, I've approached boundaries a lot differently. I used to be a yes girl. So yes to social events, yes to going to weddings, yes to doing all the things with all the people all the times. And in that phase in my life, I was not reaching my full potential with my business. And in fact, I was being really laid back with, you know, policies and procedures running my business. And the more streamlined and standardized I get, the more boundaries I put in my life. And this all goes back to my example of earlier. If you, if you're saying, okay, I'm going to schedule a certain amount of time and I'm not going to take calls. I'm not going to take outside distractions. Like that habit building allows you to really be productive. And it also allows you to really enjoy the things, those distractions that come up when you're in a time block to allow them to happen. Meaning if you allow yourself to wind down and watch TV and don't do business or whatever from a certain time frame, you start to enjoy it more because you're not letting those distractions weave into other time frames in your day. So I now do not do all the things. I do not say yes to social events. Some people are mad at me and I have my priorities and I make them them clear to the people that are close to me. My priorities are, you know, my business, my relationship, my health, and social is unfortunately, not unfortunately, like I'm going to be honest with you, socialization is not right now number one. And it has been in the past. I love all my friends. I, I love having fun, but I don't drop what I'm doing in business in order to do social. And that right there is the difference of thousands of dollars and a huge impact in consistency. Because as you know, and as I've talked about in previous podcasts, being consistent is really the formula. It's part of the key towards making progress for a successful foundation in your business. And I know that. And so when I see that consistency breeds success and outcomes that I like, I am encouraged to continue with it. 
Workflow is the next topic. So workflow is something that is my goal in 2019 and even now in, in Q4, quarter four of 2018 to really get those processes in place. So again, this conversation goes back to the first topic, which is my digital calendar. And I mentioned a story to you about how I used to not make clients who work with me schedule ahead or, or be more aloof about it. And that is not a strict or consistent workflow. So not only is that unfair for the client, client because their expectation is vague, but it's also not really fair for you because if you allow people to schedule on their terms, you'll be living a life on their terms. So if you want your clients to have a certain outcome with your product or service, then you should deliver something consistent. And I will be shifting in my business and requiring my clients to book ahead for calls with me. And that's something, there's a whole lot of things with my workflow that I'm improving and that's standardizing because I want people to expect it and to know it and to follow it. And not only is that going to help me, but that's really going to help them plan and prepare and execute and take our work more seriously. Getting that workflow is not just the example that I gave. It's also tracing where does, where do you take, what is the user experience, the customer experience of your client from the beginning to the offboarding of your service or your digital product? So I'm going to give an example of a service and then I'll give an example of a digital product very briefly. So what I mean by a service is when I get, for example, I get people who DM me pretty regularly lately. It's been, it's been increasing a lot lately. And they'd be like, Hey, I want to, you know, book a discovery call with you. And the link in my bio on Instagram is for my online course. It's not for coaching. And my website is down right now. So they, they have to direct message me because, or else email me, which is fine too. So if they email me or send me a direct message and like, Hey, I'm interested in working with you. Uh, what do I do next? Etc. discovery call. So that would be a lead. So Once they book a discovery call with me, the question is, and I want you to think about this in your business too with clients, if you've got a client-based business or if you want a client business, right? So the question is, what is the journey that you take your client through after they book a discovery, even the moment that they ask for that? So do you send them a questionnaire? Do you like send them a link and a questionnaire? And what does that questionnaire say? And how do you make them apply to work for you, work with you, sorry, work with you uh, versus them just instantly get a call? Because I do not think you should just let someone randomly book a call with you. You have to find a screening process to make sure that you're a good fit. Now, you might not know until the call, but you want to do your best to make sure is this person at the level, at the minimum level, that they should be to work with me. So that is all part of the workflow. Once you get somebody who's interested to, let's say, book a call with you, then what? Let's say they book the call with you and then what kind of, you know, user experience, customer service centered experience are you giving them? Meaning, are you sending them emails? Are you sending them a proposal? Do you just randomly refer them to a link? How clear are your services? And then of course, um, how clear are you on the, on the discovery call? And that, that's a whole nother podcast episode, which I'm happy to discuss the whole experience of how you trace a lead 
whether they do or don't book a discovery call with you, that is workflow. Workflow is also when somebody does hire you, what is the onboarding process? Do you send them a welcome email? How soon do they need to schedule calls with you? Is Do you have a 24-hour cancellation policy? Do you have a contract? If so, how clear is your contract? Do they sign it digitally? What platform do you use? There's HelloSign, which I've used before with my mastermind with Rachel. Rachel Paul and I use that. And now I'm using Dubsado, which is a an amazing client management system and I'm, I've been learning it and I'm, the goal is to shift everything that I do to Dubsado as a platform. And it basically, you can do contracts and e-sign. You can also send invoices and then you can create forms and questionnaires through the platform. It's, it's really advanced and it's like extremely, uh, well, it's user-friendly for the client. I'm still learning on my end. Uh, but once I get the hang of it, I'm, I'm sure it's looking really great. So again, workflow is where are you sending the clients and how are you creating that experience that's not only branded, right? So like your colors, your imagery, your feel, but it's also very clear with what are the, your expectations from them and what are their expectations from you? And most people... And I also had this this conversation with um, Ray, is her name from Productive Co. Shout out to her. She actually, I hired her to help me with Dubsado a couple times and set up my my new system because it's uh, it takes some time to, to figure it out. And Ray and I were having this conversation last week and she was telling me that most people in a service-based business have different ways of how they go about each client and that's not good. And I couldn't agree more. So what she means is that, you know, if you have a client that has a different learning style or maybe they put in a different amount of effort, you treat them differently than somebody who comes to you with a different set of problems or circumstances. And I can give you an example so this doesn't sound so abstract. So let me let me tell you what I mean. I have a signature coaching program and if I have somebody that emails me not often, but they check in every now and then and then they book a call, they're not getting the maximum potential of my services because I say in the contract, you know, you you have email check-ins and you can email me content and we can review it together and that's going to help you with the specificity and the clarity, making sure that you're using the proven strategies from my course, making sure that you're clear with your message, you're addressing the pain points of your ideal client, you're making sure that you're you're setting up systems to monetize on social media and that your your website is super clear and that you're communicating that well both digitally and when you're on the phone or making a sale either in person or or on, online in some sense. So that's that's really a super super important to think about. And I think I look back at my personal training business and I did handle each client a little bit differently, which is normal. Again, I'm being honest with you. It's normal to do that. The ideal would be to have a, an extremely structured program where you you know, automatically send some emails at the beginning of the week to everybody. So you can, Dubsado allows you to customize some forms where you can send, it'll auto-generate or you can tell it what to do and it'll populate an email to whoever you ask it to and it'll send out a questionnaire form so I can say at the beginning of the week to my clients, you know, send me your goals for the week. And then it'll auto-populate an email and say, send me your content. And then I read that content, review it, 
And then we go back and forth and that process is extremely standardized. Again, even the call is standardized. You must book a month ahead. You must do A, B, and C. Here's my cancellation policy. Like every step of the way, every process is super clear from, from one of my clients to the next. And every time I take a new client. So my onboarding for the clients is super clear as well as my offboarding. What I mean by offboarding is, and again, I have not been good at this, but I'm, I'm improving, is that when someone's done, I need to know by a certain time if they want to renew. No pressure if they don't, but I've noticed that people renew with me, which is great. And, and then I am left thinking, oh, well, if I have a maximum of how many clients I can take, I need to know if I can take more clients. And I don't know that unless if I ask someone as they're off boarding. So is it standardized to ask someone, you know, as their contract is done or is it standardized to ask them during the middle if they just tell you again, a standardized process would be to decide at the beginning and let them know I'm going to be asking you if you if you would like to renew midway through our work together throughout our 12 weeks, et cetera, however long you designate your program. And that creates fluidity. And again, it's not just for you as a business owner, that's creating optimal user experience for your client. You have those expectations super clear. So workflow is something that is room for improvement for me. I do a a lot of it uh, will be more automated, not 100%, but it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to have my clients experience this and tell me what they think and and see how using Dubsado as a platform is going to enhance what I'm doing in my service-based business. Now, I want to give an example for a product-based business, a digital product specifically, and talking about workflow in that sense. So what I mean by workflow in a product-based business is when somebody purchases your course, then what? Do you send them to a welcome page or sorry, a thank you page after they purchase? Do you then send them to uh, an upsell page? Do you then send them to join your Facebook group? And then when they join your Facebook group from your course, then what? The, The question is always then what? So when they're in your Facebook group, then how do you upsell them? So like I had mentioned earlier, Rachel and I are offering an upsell in our Facebook group from Beat the Algorithm because again, we want to create a better workflow, a more enhanced user experience. And so that's another example of, you know, we didn't have an upsell. The upsell wasn't clear. We had a mastermind, but there's a limit of the amount of people we can take. And so we want to offer some a few different things and, and make it clear so that people know. And we also want to have it be very regular. So Rachel and I talked about having regular two times per month. So it'll be limited, right? So that's something that you can do to create a workflow. So it's super clear. Once someone purchases your digital product, then what? Either you can refer them to another product or you can refer them to a service or you can refer them to an affiliate link. Whatever you're doing as an upsell, that is part of your workflow. And if they do not purchase your course, then you can, well, you can do a lot of things. You can retarget them with ads. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> there are different ways that you can capture leads and, and still keep a warm audience. Those are examples of workflow for your product, digital product or service-based businesses. So now I'm going to move on to social, which I had mentioned earlier with boundaries. And that's just being selective with how you spend your time, what your priorities are and what might come up last minute. 
and then um, relationships, which kind of goes hand in hand with social. And that topic is really about who do you spend time with? And then the relationship with the people you spend the most time with, I believe has a direct correlation with your attitude in your business. Positivity is important to me and those who I spend the most time with and support is as well. My fiance is super supportive about what I do. Sometimes, especially right now in the growth stage of my business, I'll have a lot of, you know, client calls in the evening and you know I still have a nine to five so it's just kind of managing that and figuring out how to make it all fit and instead of him you know being upset and frustrated because our time is cut sometimes we do make time we designate time for ourselves and for our relationship but he's also super supportive and he says hey you know if you have a call client call a mastermind whatever he'll go in the other room and make sure it's nice and quiet so I can get more work done which is great and that support is really important because you know you want to communicate with your partner or your family or whoever you're close with and you want to have that support and you want to have that communication in order to move you forward. And then I've got a business, I've got several business coaches and then I have again, you know, Rachel and I keep, we actually talk every Friday now and hold each other uh, to uh, accountable to our goals. So we set smart goals and hold each other accountable towards achieving our smart goals. So that is who I spend my time with and that's how I choose to spend my time, which is focused, um, growth mindset, limitless mindset, abundance-based, and then again, the support from my partner. And so I do want to give him a shout out because... Uh, he is extremely supportive of what I'm doing and the goal. And, and again, we, we both have a goal and that's for more freedom. And so he knows that the long game is for me to not be so busy because I have the nine to five and then I do consulting and coaching. The idea would be for me to have more time and more flexibility, but there's that hump you have to do, you know, that work in order to get those processes and that workflow in place, right? So there's the ebbs and the flows and the busyness and, and whatnot. I mean, everybody, you know, I'd love to work a, the, the 20 hour work week or whatever, but it's, it's a matter of getting to that point and getting those systems in place. The last topic I want to discuss for today's conversation to conclude is networking. So you've heard me talk about networking before. I've done a podcast episode about it. It's super important. It's a fundamental, it's like a cornerstone to my beliefs. And I've been called a connector. So I like to connect people with other people and help people with networking. I think it's really uh, important for relationship building, skill building, impact, opportunities, income, etc. What I mean by networking is prioritizing networking over social. So I'm at this phase in my life where my friends who happen to also be uh, business mindset, growth mindset focused, you know, we don't necessarily grab a dinner. I mean, we might from time to time, but it's more about like an event, like a networking event. Like recently I went to this uh, Google startup women's in business event with actually Kate, who does PR from Dietitian Connection, and a friend of mine, Radhika, who does uh, digital marketing for American Express. And it was great because we got to connect and hang out and talk. And then we were at a at an event where we heard women pitch their ideas uh, for venture capital. So that, to me, is my idea of socializing while mixing in networking and then also being super inspired with those around me who have that growth business mindset. Mindset. Combining social and networking is great. It's like hitting two birds with one stone. I'm all about that. And I think it's important to incorporate that into your monthly or quarterly plan. You can start small if you don't do it all the time. Even just phone calls. Like I'll schedule, I've got 
uh, phone calls with other dietitians after fancy connecting with them on the phone, setting up podcasts, et cetera, just maintaining those relationships, whether it's an email, et cetera. Like it doesn't have to be an in-person event, although I think those are super important. It, you could start small, right? It could even be commenting back on Instagram, right? On social media, sending direct messages of people in your niche or your target audience, right? So, so that's another way to network. It's just a different scale, a different example of it. All right. So those are, in summary, again, how I manage my life beyond the priority matrix includes my digital color-coded calendar, uh, sticking with my appointments and not veering away 80% of the time, setting boundaries in my life, hard boundaries, not soft boundaries, creating workflow which is something that's a uh, room for improvement the most out of all of these uh, social and, and keeping a really uh, checks and balances on my social events and my social life relationships, keeping those around me who are growth mindset focused, keeping those people close to me and surrounding myself with positive people to stay positive 98% of the time. And then networking, prioritizing networking over socializing or ideally combining and incorporating networking with socializing and realizing that your network is your net worth and constantly adding value and learning from others. Prioritizing professional development is just my belief system. Are you ready to build impact and create revenue streams in your business? Go to LibbyRothschild.com and apply for coaching. Also, check out my course opportunities such as Beat the Algorithm to learn how to set up systems for monetization in your nutrition business.